this right here is on the matter of systems. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I'm keeping that in. Um, this <laughs> Welcome, everybody. I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's a tabletop role-playing podcast where each month, me, I'm B. My name is B. Hi. Uh, we, me and BW, my co-host. Hi, BW. Hello, B. I am BW. I got chaotic energy. It's episode one. It's already off the rails. Um, you'll never be railroaded on this tabletop podcast. Oh my god! Um, I'm, qu- we- I'm quitting the podcast already. <laughs> I'm, I'm already done. We are uh, once a month going to talk about some RPG theory and a and a role playing system. Um, I will host the unhinged RPG theory episodes, and BW will host the the sort of more system focused episodes, or at least that's the plan for right now. But yeah, so today we are talking system does matter by Ron Edwards, um, originally published or posted, I don't really know, on the Gaming Outpost in 1999. Um, that same year, Ron Edwards would create Hephaestus Forge, and then that would fall apart. Two years after that, he would begin The Forge, um, one of the more important, um, I would say that, uh, one of the more important discussion sites for, for role-playing games, maybe ever. Yeah, for sure. Despite many uh, issues with it. <laughs> um it got reposted on the Forge when it started running, and it became sort of the cornerstone of a lot of Ron Edwards theorizing about role-playing games. Um, the Forge, just for listeners, is probably most famous as being the sort of early theoretical stomping grounds of a lot of very well-known independent designers. Ron Edwards himself made a game called Sorcerer, which was really important for a lot of different games. Uh, D. Vincent Baker and, and Megway Baker were active there. D. Vincent Baker, I think, much more. He would go on to uh, he while while doing Forge stuff, he wrote um, Dogs in the Vineyard, an influential game, if not a, a very well circulated one, because he doesn't have it in circulation. He would go on to make uh, Apocalypse World, which would create the Powered by the Apocalypse system that uh, half of role playing games <laughs> that aren't uh, licensed or D twenty systems use or are inspired by. John Harper, I think, was I I was googling stuff on the Forge. I saw John Harper's name pop up there. He was an active participant, had over a thousand posts. Wow. Yeah made uh, Blades in the Dark. I feel like I saw recently someone saying that Avery Alder was on the forge. I don't know if she was like an active poster or just like sort of in that circle, sort of the pre-Google Plus era of games discourse. Uh, Avery Alder, of course, the creator of uh, Belonging Outside Belonging, The Quiet Year, uh, No Dice, No Masters system. Um, D. Vincent Baker also made Firebrands, which is a, another sort of fairly important game that gets riffed on very frequently. Um, there's like two other people that I'm I'm just blanking on at the moment. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people who made stuff that we might probably end up talking about on this, this very podcast uh, were active in there. Um, sort of wrapping up the historical context, uh, just as a, as a note, I looked up the Wikipedia. Ron Edwards is probably about 35 when he originally wrote this essay, uh, which is interesting. That is interesting. In 2005, Ron Edwards closed the theory forums on the Forge uh, in a very weird statement. I wrote down it sort of has the energy of that George Bush mission accomplished flyer or like banner on the fucking battleship or whatever he was standing on that was like we won the iraq war uh kind of had that energy when i was reading it as in like just like wait what like this is not you have not done your stated goal you have not done the thing that anyone agrees what you were trying to do this is clearly going to keep happening but you're just like ah, not nah. <laughs> we're all done here i would like to say that's a pattern <laughs> uh-huh sure <laughs> yes <laughs> 
Ford continued till 2012 when he finally shut it down, but it, there was a sort of mass exodus in 2006 when Ron Edwards wrote some, uh, as to quote myself, wildly whack shit. Um, he compared playing World of Darkness style games to receiving brain damage. And then when people were like, yo, dude, that's not very cool. He was like, actually, I don't just mean brain damage. I mean, it's literal child abuse to to introduce people to games that are written outside of the way that I theorize games. Um, so fuck that. A whole lot. I think we can officially say, on the matter of systems, our official stance is fuck that. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the the, the actual essay. The um, system does matter. Uh, obviously, sort of, I think our, our podcast title is kind of riffing on that uh, a little bit, which is why it seemed like the right thing to do f- as the first uh, theory essay. It sort of becomes the basis, or it, it introduces his, this idea of GNS theory, GNS meaning gameism, uh, narrativism and simulationism, which he sort of modified from this thing called the threefold model. GNS ends up getting expanded through a series of four essays, one called like GNS theory. And then there was specifically like one on simulationism, the right to dream, gameism, step on up, and narrativism, story now. Through those, he ended up creating what is referred to generally as the big model. There is a website you can go to called big-model.info to get a a cute little graphic that um, is so chock full of hyper-specific jargon that it's absolutely useless unless you've read a lot of things. Um, from Ron <laughs> Edwards specifically, uh, which I have. So the big model is sort of the stopping point, I think. That's when he has his mission accomplished moment, when he's like, we've we've figured out the big model, we have now systematized role-playing games, we now have the best way to judge them and know and know how to design them, and, and that's why we can now only talk in terms of play rather than theory. Uh, this went on longer than I expected it to, which is, I think, going to be the theme of today, because I read a lot of The Forge um, when I started doing tabletop role-playing stuff again in the, in the early 2010s. And generally speaking, I think, uh, having thought about what sort of future RPG articles we're going to be reading, I think this historical segment is going to be generally much, much shorter. <laughs> but that that context all out there, um, I want to I want to throw to you, BW. What um, what did you what did you find to be the the broad argument here? What's what was the thrust of of Ron Edwards' uh, essay? So interestingly, I think before we do that, I, I just the the last thing you said is I think the thing that I found really interesting in getting ready for recording this. So I read I, I obviously read System Does Matter because that was our homework. Um, <laughs> But I have also been reading the, oh my God, what is it called? Tabletop RPG Design and Theory and Practice at the Forge, 2001 to 2012, Designs and Discussions, uh, which is a book by a man named William J. White. And it's been very interesting because I did not, I have not read a lot of the Forge, as opposed to you, who has read a lot of the Forge. Um, Entirely too much, one might say. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, judging from how this book is going, I think reading too much of the Forge is bad and <laughs> you should like run Edward should maybe like pay people money. It seems like a wild place. But the thing I was really struck by was for one, the list of names of like, which you've gone through of just like, Oh, I know all of these people and I know work that they've done for a lot of the names, uh, especially in the later years. Um, Avery Elder was in fact, very active on the forge. I only know this because I Googled and found a very long Twitter thread from Avery talking specifically about the forge and the role it played in sort of her education and 
approach to design. So it's worth Googling. But it was very interesting how much of the ideas being discussed, right? So the big model, GNS theory, um, I had like run across, I just, I just, I was not this type of nerd about RPG stuff when I first got into it. I was this type of nerd, like a theory nerd about other things, but I was just like, cool, cool game books, fun. But a lot of it actually kind of like filtered out, which I found pretty interesting. Um, But I just thought that would be good context. So what is System Does Matter by Ron Edwards do, or what is it trying to do? So there's kind of, it's short, that's one thing to say. Um, And there's kind of two sort of connected uh, arguments is maybe a little strong for what (laughs) they are, their assertions, essentially. Um, uh, So the first assertion, well, now let me go down to my notes. The first assertion is that Ron basically starts it off by saying, listen, I've heard people say forever and ever that the system you use doesn't matter because it's all about how good your GM is. And what he is asserting is that, in fact, the system does matter. And that is because there are three player outlooks. This is GNS, gamist, narrativist, and simulationist. And in order for a table to sort of be successful, the role of the GM needs to make sure that the system that they are using aligns with the outlook of the players at the table and the interest of the GM. And you cannot do all three at once. So the best systems are systems that are focused on only one of those outlooks, and that that is what sort of the system should do, is it should, I I don't remember the exact word he used, you may have excerpted it, you have some excerpts, Um, but basically... coherence? Incoherent? Yeah, let me just go to the actual article. Oh, yeah. So so basically what he's saying is a, a, a good GM should not be a, a, G, a GM who can modify the system to the table. A good GM should be the person who can do the best job possible at running a system that is matched to the table's outlook. So like... A good RPG is one that focuses on one of those outlooks and ignores the other two entirely and doesn't try to have any me- mechanics for those other two. Yes. That's the first, that's sort of his first assertion slash argument is there are these three outlooks and they're mutually exclusive. And a good system is one that allows the GM and the players to focus on the one outlook that they all agree on. Uh, can I can I jump in here and yep, please. D- directly quote from the conclusion? Yeah. To sum up, I suggest a good system is one which knows its outlook and doesn't waste any mechanics on the other two outlooks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, that is, yeah, you, exactly what you were saying, but in Ron Edward voice, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he suggests, uh, right. I suggest that in this, I'm quoting, I suggest that building the system specifically to accord with one of these outlooks is the first priority of RPG design. Mm -hmm. The first, the first. Um, so that's the first part (laughs) is a bunch of assertions about things like what players want out of games about what a GM should and could want, what an RPG system can and should do. A lot of assertions. And the idea is a good system is going to be one that focuses on only one of these outlooks. Well, then the question becomes, how do we know if a system is successfully sort of whatever, serving the gamist or the narrativist or the simulationist? And this is his second part, which is, again, sort of a collection of assertions, which is that the best way to judge this and in fact a way that he seems to think is some so, some somehow objective is looking at the resolution method so when you're doing a thing in the system 
how does it resolve, right? He lays out these three these three sort of modes this is by a person, in, I guess, named Jonathan Tweet, which every time I read it, I keep thinking, <laughs> how is it a tweet? Uh-huh. That makes no sense because my brain is rotten from uh-huh. the internet. Yeah. Um, but so sure. uh, Jonathan Tweet's suggestion, uh, there are three modes of resolution in role-playing. Fortune, so uh, this is a range of results as possible, right? So you, you roll a die. You get a 10 on three dice, and it's under your skill of 12, so you hit. Karma, which compares two fixed values, this would be like a, um, uh, this would be like strength test kind of things, where it's like character one has strength skill of seven, and the other player has a strength skill of four. Well, seven's bigger than four, so seven wins. So no dice, it's it's these sort of fixed values about the character. And then drama, in which the GM or the player resolves the outcome by essentially just saying what happens, right? And then, I mean, we can go into this in more detail, but his basic argument, which this is what I'm trying to do, I've just remembered to summarize, is, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, his basic argument is, right, is like that there are questions you can ask about how resolution methods work and that the the three different outlooks have very specific things they want from resolution. And so a good system is a system that has resolution methods that only focus on the outlook that that RPG has decided to serve. So you should have a specific series of resolutions or ways of resolving things that will make your gamist players and GMs happy because you are making an RPG that is only for gamists and doesn't spend any time thinking about the other two. And that makes it a good RPG. Objectively. Objectively. Uh, So his conclusion is basically a good system is one which, so I'm just quoting, to sum up, I suggest a good system is one which knows its outlook and doesn't waste any mechanics on the other two outlooks and its resolution methods are appropriate for the outlook. They have search and handling time that works for that outlook in terms of both what the players have to do and what happens to the characters. I I paraphrase slightly. I apologize. Uh, Actually, I don't, but... (laughs) But yeah, that's that, that's it. He he's got a couple other like throwaway things near the end, which are some of the, uh, some of his some of his throwaway asides are like actually kind of some of the wildest stuff in this article. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but that's the basic idea, right? Is uh, a good system is one which knows its outlook and doesn't waste any mechanics on the other two, and its resolution methods match the outlook. Yes, we don't have to dive into this, and I frankly don't want to. But um, doing some follow-up reading uh, or rereading, is, as is the case, I guess, on those other essays, I, I did not expect his... He, he brings up search time and handling time repeatedly as though they are key concepts when they do not seem at all useful in this argument or very interesting to me. Uh, just <laughs> sort of speaking as someone who has read this and some of his other essays... I just, just kept seeing him refer back to that as though those were like as important as the GNS stuff or the the DFK, the drama, fortune, karma stuff. I was like, really? Search time, meaning how long does it take to get to know what you got? Handling time, meaning so what happens? Those are your key terms? Okay, sure. Well, I, I find I find some of those, I find a lot of things about those two specific <laughs> uh, terms fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I, for uh, for none of the reasons that I think he would want me to, right? Like I think it's really interesting that he's just like taking these ideas from ecology, sure. Uh, and I'm very curious what they what they do in ecology, 
like like how they work in ecology because clearly handling time in ecology is not about comparing the outcome of a dice roll to a chart <laughs> you know right. like um so like or that was one off hit points yeah yeah like that was one thing i just was like oh that's interesting i wonder what he, he did but like i mean this is my overall take spoilers i guess my overall take on this entire thing is that this is a, a badly written article um <laughs> And specifically because it it somehow simultaneously does too much and too little, like always. Yes. Um, I think there's some really interesting ideas. I think even the idea of like looking at search time and handling time in terms of how you resolve decisions could be an interesting framework for thinking through a game system that you're reading. That just flatly strikes me as like they those are like useful tools but they're not useful to tell you if an rpg is good like i th- like i don't know that there's value judgment to search time and handling time <laughs> it, it, unless you agree with everything that this man has set, has said in this article which yes. none of which he's backed up with anything which is uh, sorry sorry a, sorry sorry yeah. um Please consider comparing a few systems yourself before reacting too strongly yeah. to this essay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to quote from the, yeah, sorry. No, um, I, I, like that, that is, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, uh, uh, that's the thing I was about to say, which is like, this is a polemical article. And yes. it is a polemical article that has much like I've learned happened at the forge <laughs> has completely assumed that anyone coming to it. Well, clearly you already know all the extra context or like all of the foundational stuff. Like, yes, which is it. There's like a, a weird chauvinism is the wrong word. Right. But there's a weird, like, it's not the wrong word. Yeah. <laughs> it's maybe not the most right word, but exactly. it's not the wrong word. <laughs> it's not the wrong word. Right. Like the, it, Basically, at, at almost every single, like, little paragraph, I was just like, wait, but w- uh, why do you, why that? Wait, can you explain why you think this is true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, literally from the very beginning, where he's just like, I think that a system is better when it doesn't waste the GM's time. And it's like, well, but the only reason anyone would agree with that is if, if they think that having to augment or change a system is a bad thing that they shouldn't be doing, which I just don't grant, bud. (laughs) Like, that's not a thing to avoid. So, like, literally from the very beginning, it is clear that he he is essentially writing a polemic against people who I don't even know if they exist, but they are definitely, I'm sure, people who have come to exist in the minds of people who wrote on the Forge. (laughs) Sure. Um, And and I will say, just to, like follow that up like he does get he does say something that could almost be construed as an argument right that uh regarding the gm wasting time thing what he said is is i'm suggesting a system is better insofar as among other things it doesn't waste herbie's time so he does make a specific value judgment there or like a a value claim there that that the act of having to cut out certain parts of of a system in order to run it for a particular table 
is a is a it has a negative value in terms of wasting time. I I agree with you. I think that like I don't actually agree with that as a as a value judgment. <laughs> yeah, but he is he does say that that is sort of what he is taking uh, umbrage with here. Except that he's kind of not also because that never it's, it, <laughs> there's no other like element of like t- there's no follow up on the idea that like what this what my proposal does is make it so that time will not be wasted. Right. It's just kind of like yeah. Yeah. here is how to make something coherent and objective is the actual argument that's unrelated to his yeah value judgment. Wait, I mean, <laughs> which value I- proposition. Which I think you like you're hundred percent right, and that is how most of this goes. Where like he he will make a sort of value judgment that makes it clear sort of where his stance is coming from, but uh I don't know. It's not like I'm looking for him to like I, I don't I wouldn't want this essay to be six times as long as it is. Like I'm super not convinced by, for instance, his examples that are supposed to show you why a gamist, a narrativist, and a simulationist don't want the same like resolution mechanic. Yeah. I think that's where this most egregiously falls apart in, you know, whatever, two decades later. <laughs> but Yeah. There, I mean, so a lot of this, uh, it was interesting. A lot of this reminded me of as an undergrad, I um, studied uh, philosophy, specifically analytic epistemology. And the specific problem I got obsessed with strongly relied upon what some people in analytic philosophy would call like the like folk intuition or the folk like f-o-l-k which is making arguments based on what quote the folk intuition would be like what people would quote unquote intuitively believe about a thing and the problem i I ran into back then uh which is why i ended up not continuing down that line of philosophy is at some point i was like oh this is all nothing Like, this is nothing. You don't know what anyone thinks. You don't know what anyone's intuitions are about this. What you have done is you have stated that people's intuition will be this way, and there's not really a way to disprove that. And so then you just continue to argue for pages and pages. Right. And it feels he's doing a very similar thing where he just kind of is like, well, and surely everybody agrees, right, that, like, the narrativist would hate blah, blah, blah because of blah, blah, blah. And so clearly that's bad. And I'm like, would they? You've given me no reason to think that, except that you, Ron, think that. Yeah, which is where it all falls apart. I don't know. I, I mean, the the other thing I will say is that I, like I said at the beginning, there is a lot in here that I find interesting. I just don't understand why it needs to be turned into this, like, concretized system that is, like, completely, like, these things, they are always in, in conflict with each other. I'm like, well... Don't you feel like you could do more with GNS if you just said, here are three common outlooks? <laughs> like, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand why they harden the edges at, like, every point. It's very confusing to me. Um, okay, so let me... I'm actually going to go back and sort of... <laughs> this is, like, not super important. I have a, I have a better point to make in a second. Great. Um, I just realized that um, one of the reasons the search time and handling th- time sticks out to me so much is because of uh, the kind of writer that Ron Edwards is, right? The motherfucker loves a proper noun. Yes. We yeah. have gameism, narrativism, simulationism. We have fortune, karma, drama. We will get... Uh, if you go into the GNS actual essay, speaking of if this essay was 16 pages long, uh, it, it's interminable. I like literally couldn't finish rereading it, I, and I loved it at one point in my life. So, But like, I'm, it's just... 
on, on a very <laughs> surface level, it's shocking that he has search time and handling time and not, you know, some pithy one word uh, term that he has to immediately unpack with like four or five sentences. Um, the end. And as you'll see, if you go into the further materials about GNS, like there's a whole part of the simulationism, the right to dream essay where he talks about why it's fine that he's using the word simulationism, even though there isn't anything being, isn't there isn't necessarily anything being simulated as you would generally use the word in English. It's like a whole two or three paragraph section that is just like, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, I understand what's happening there is he was in conversation with a bunch of people all the time. And he is the kind of writer who can't just be like, here is here is what I have. He has to be like, here is what I have. And here is every way that I've ever rebutted anyone who's asked me a question about this. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, this has come out in the the Forge book I've been reading, which is like th- that was a clearly a group of people who oftentimes wrote as if they were under siege from yes. some other force D and D maybe I, like maybe they were all afraid of Gary Gygax or something, but like it's, it's wild to me how they're like, everything is defensive <laughs> in this very odd way. And I mean, you, you read it earlier, but yeah, like li- the literal last thing written in, in this essay is essentially, and if you disagree with me, um, ha- have you actually played, a lot of tabletop RPGs, like for and, real, like for yeah, real. and running a, a demo at a tournament doesn't count. It doesn't count. And if you've played, you know, more than some random number, five or ten RPGs in a committed fashion, five or ten is actually like a pretty big difference when you're talking about playing a tabletop game for uh-huh. lengths of time, <laughs> yeah. like. It's just, uh, yeah, uh, so much of what I have read of the Forge stuff, and which has mostly been excerpts in this book, and now System Does Matter, and I've now, I've started poking around a little myself, but so much of it is like, falls into that trap of somebody taking an idea or a personal observation and wanting to organize their thoughts, and then trying to turn it into some sort of objective thing. Because like, yes. so much of reading this thing, I was like, so there's this, there's this line where he, he says, again, it so happens that I'm a hardcore narrativist who enjoys karma-based systems most with a little fortune mixed in. And I'm like, that's not what a human thinks of <laughs> when they come to a tabletop game, bud. Like, yes. like if, you, if it is useful to you to have these terms, that's awesome. I'm a nerd. Oh. I like proper nouns i studied philosophy like i love arguing about a term and what it means but like you argue about the terms as like the ground setting right yes Yes. not the argument which is how this entire thing is formulated which is look at all of these words and you don't agree with me i know more than you I've got I've got so many more words than you do and they all have capital letters. Yeah. Like what do you what do you bring to the table? You've only played like four committed RPGs. <laughs> and I like I will say I was I was thinking of maybe saying something uh, about this at the beginning, right? Which is like I knew I know and you knew be you knew uh we were not going to like this article, right? Like Yes. 
I, I think I said that we were going to start spicy, and we, that's absolutely. what I meant. It. We have, and, and the thing I want to say is, like, I'm a big fan of. So I, I don't. I'm, I'm assuming you've heard of this, but like in school, it was like hammered into my head. Uh, in like college and uh, getting my master's, like. When you read somebody that you are going to respond to in the world of philosophy, you read it charitably, right? Which is yeah. charitable reading is a very common thing, but like not everyone will know it. So just very briefly, right? Charitable reading is even when you're reading your like most hated opponent or whatever, right? You want to do both yourself and them the favor of reading their article or book or whatever and constructing the best possible version of that argument you can to reply yes. to, right? Yes, yes. The problem I ran into with this is like, I, I wanted to be charitable. I read this thing twice before I messaged B and was like, well, I fucking hate this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I read the whole, I read it twice. It's not that long, but I read it twice and like really trying to be like, okay, w- like let's look at this in the most charitable way possible. And the problem is it still is like, it just doesn't all cohere for me. Like if it was... Here's a bunch of thoughts I had about tabletop RPGs. I would read this so differently than the way he pitches it, which is there are objective ways to judge whether an RPG is good and they fit within this one specific view that I am essentially responsible for. So, yes. And if you disagree, it's because you don't know tabletop RPGs as well as I do. Like, there's just no way to read that charitably because it's not a charitable argument. (laughs) So I, I come out of sort of theory and Marxism, right? I think my version of a charitable reading, because I've never, I've never practiced that, right? I was never in that sort of general field. What I have practiced is, a, is uh, an attempt at sort of reading things with a materialist viewpoint, um, so, and I will start, sort of back up just a second. I will say, like, I, I did, again, read this probably in the early 2010s. Um, it made me mad then. I wrote a fucking, like, 6,000-word essay about it on my blog called Structure Does Matter. That's uh, it's just interminable. Um, <laughs> it was me at heavy, high, high theory. Like, I write high theory for fun uh, <laughs> kind of mode. But, like, yeah. So I have I have... I have now, a decade ago, had had a response to this, was very put off by it, but also I think it's impossible to overstate how important this essay is in certain fields, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 100%. The, the, the Forge doesn't exist. I mean, the Forge could exist without this, but, like, this is the cornerstone of the theory of the Forge, which, for as much it has, as it is now sort of understood as being pretty much obsolete, was deeply influential, as as I said at the top, on, on all these, like, genuinely incredible designers. And it provided a lexicon that was... <sighs> That was productive for that group of people at in that period of time. I think is a, is a fair thing to say. You, does that sound right to you, or am I being too bold here? <laughs> oh no, no. I mean, that's a, that that is absolutely true. And so, so the, the reason I bring up the materialist thing um, is, I think a very important thing to note is, like I said, um, from everything I've seen across you know multiple different sort of like you know retrospectives on this, in terms of RPG theory, this shit is dead. Right. Like no one. No, I mean, people still talk about GNS, but it's talked about, you know, as a, as though trapped in amber. It is a another argument that was had reading the elusive shift by John Peterson was very interesting because although I think <laughs> I think the way that people talk about RPG theory or, or 
uh, reaction being sort of cyclical and have everyone having the same argument over and over is like overstated. There are certain things that that I was made aware of through reading System Does Matter and more Forge stuff that were very clear echoes of the fanzine culture of the 70s up to the early 80s, which The Elusive Shift is about how Dungeons & Dragons became a role-playing game. And the answer is not that it called itself one. It's that a bunch of people in science fiction fandom and war games fandom were like, this is a role-playing game. And then competitors were like, oh, we're the new role-playing game. And then Gygax is like, wait, no, we're the role-playing game. Like, it literally was a, was a, a product of fandom rather than of intention on the part of designers or even the initial marketing. Forge theory is is more or less dead at this point, right? The thing that's not dead from the Forge is the thing we've talked about, is John Harper, is D. Vincent Baker, and Megway Baker, is, is Avery Alder. The thing that the Forge actually did was produce, produce design. And I think that System Does Matter is... <sighs> is an important cornerstone in what the Forge would eventually become and and be useful for, which was the production of designers who have a very specific understanding of games. Um, this, is, this is literally where the term story games come from. Um, and it's also... I'm, I'm, I'm jumping over my own point here. Um, let me back up for a second. I'll allow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, the thing that the Forge, the thing that the Forge is now remembered as, uh, and correctly is, is a place where a bunch of designers of really cool games sort of found each other and sort of cut their teeth on understanding what a game is before designing really excellent games. In my mind, looking back at this and, and looking back at some of the associated things, I think the argument that Ron Edwards in 1999 thinks he's making has nothing to do with the argument that he's actually making. I think he is is obsessed with this idea of of creating a rubric by which you can objectively judge games, not because he's actually interested in, um, you know, <laughs> he's not, he's, on some level, this, this seems like an argument where he's like, okay. I'm going to create the, you know, gameplay, graphics, uh, sound design, and reviewer's tilt, like, sort of schema for reviewing role-playing games. What he actually does is make, end up making an argument that the existing role-playing games do not do a specific thing in the right way, and therefore, there should be a market in which we can sell our games to people who also feel frustrated by the way that role-playing games are too broad, that we can become th- this sort of avant-garde of people who say, no, you don't need to, you can't just buy D&D and then you can do everything with it. What you can do is pick up my copy of Sorcerer because you have sort of these these particular needs in um, when you're, when you're g- coming to a table um, that... I have happened to be the person who uh, figured out uh, or whatever the chauvinism part, and, and I think I think very literally what we're talking about when we're talking about the forge um, and and many other types of RPG theory is 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 less about the actual theory and it's more about places where design feedback can happen and also the exploration of new markets. That's my that's my materialist take on this. Um, how much do you disagree? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is I don't disagree at all, right? Like the thing I 
was going to say is like the the charitable the best charitable reading I could come up with for reading through system does matter was well this was useful to people who have gone on to do really incredible things right as like whatever you want to call it a stepping stone or some part on the pathway to coming up with you know the the big model or whatever like it is impossible to deny what the forge helped accomplish which is everything you've just said right like my problem is and i would not have this thought if i was not reading uh tabletop rpg design in theory and practice the forge 2001 to 2012 designs and discussions uh which (laughs) i just like saying because it's such a ridiculously boring title no it is the catchiest title i've ever heard i could repeat it to you right now definitely please no i would like you to try actually (laughs) i I cannot i was i was listening and i um does it start with the word rpg uh you're close tabletop rpg Ah, Mm -hmm. see fucked it in one uh tabletop rpg design in theory and practice at the forge 2001 to 2012 designs and discussions uh it's a part of the palgrave games in context series, which I think Palgrave Macmillan might be a for-profit publisher. I believe um, they are, yes. A we're for-profit like, ac- academic publisher. <laughs> yeah, which I didn't realize. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. But yeah, so um, the th- the thing I was going to say is, like, the, the thing that ended up, like, really rankling me about System Does Matter is the thing that I got from reading the context in the book, right? Which is, there's literally just not a way to get anything out of this that's useful unless you are reading The Forge, in my opinion, right? Like, Mm. there's just too much missing. And what's missing is what you've said and is what the good part of The Forge is, which is, and what also made it off-putting to people, right? Like, there's a quote that keeps coming up in the the Forge book, which is called Tabletop RPG Design. (laughs) at the forge 2001 to 2012 designed for discussion uh by william j white um there's a thing which is like just just read the threads something it's something along those lines and it gets said in various things but it's quoted constantly and this is the response when people have questions it's like ah you got to go read the threads and it's like you want me to read the thread it's 2008 this has existed for seven years what do you mean read the threads right and they, they, the the frustrating thing that the frustrating thing to me is that like I am interested in a lot of these ideas and I'm interested in typologies. I literally am currently working as a taxonomist. Like, but you have to be very clear about what you're doing, and like it, they're just like so loosey goosey with like we're gonna come up with tons of proper nouns, and it's like that's cool. But, like, give me any sense of why you think that G and S are the three that matter or the only three. The answer to that question is always going to be, we'll go read the threads. Which is why I find, like, I find the system does matter interesting, but I find it, like, deeply frustrating. Because I also care about things like intellectual trajectory and, like, tracing the, like, pattern of ideas and, like, how these things develop. And it's just so clear that so much of the development was in the forge and nobody in the forge actually was interested in like sort of making it presentable to folks who were sort of not it is sort of there in the moment which i just find frustrating like i don't know i want ideas to be accessible if if you're interested in talking about a thing i would hope you would want to make it so that other people can understand the thing you're excited about and so it's not even like that i like that's what i mean when i say at the top when i said it was like, I don't think it's well written is it's just, it's so insular. It's such a weirdly insular polemic. 
it's not, it's like very unclear to me who he's railing against or at, let alone with. And the, again, I think the answer is other people at the forge or at, I mean, you, I, I can't remember. I think you said this came out when it was the, like the first forge, the Faistus's forge or whatever. Um, it, it's, it was originally published on Game. Oh, okay. Post. So it was even slightly uh, before that. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, like, to be honest, I don't disagree with your materials, materials take at all. Like, I think that's correct. And I think it's also, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense for you to bring that up and for me to, I mean, hello, welcome to the podcast. And for me to also be <laughs> like, well, but I want this to be an article that's useful about the theory of role-playing games. And I think in general, this is probably how I will end up approaching some of these things is on the theory side, especially, right? Is like, okay, well, let's just see what you can do as an article. And like, I'm happy to look up, again, like one of the things of charitable reading is like, it's one thing if there's like a gap in a in an article or a gap in an argument or another, and it's another thing if it's just like, well, clearly there's context here that I need. And the problem with System Does Matter is it just felt like at literally every step where there was an assertion, I was like, whoa, where, what, <laughs> where did this come from? Um, and that's just a deeply frustrating mode of writing. Um but like I said, I, I do think there's like interesting stuff here. Like I think just some of literally just some of the language itself is sort of interesting, even just to think about like, w- like what do I tend to care about? Like even if I pretty much flatly disagree that game gamist, narrativist, and simulationist are completely at odds with each other, like what do I want at a table actually? Yeah, and I and I think that's I th- I think that's right right I think that's the 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 actual useful takeaway for somebody who's not deeply embedded in the forge um but also it's interesting that again uh, i'm just at the epilogue of elusive shift and that book ends with the blackout model or blackov model um which is like one of the first sort of typologies of, of player types that's like what is it like s- strategy role play war gaming and um power gaming is like the four types that he identifies that sounds right yeah I might have strategy wrong there or something like that, but just to, just to say again, like as as much as I don't agree necessarily that just because people have made up multiple typologies means we're having this we're relitigating the same argument over and over. But there is something about like yeah, in like seventy eight, uh, somebody was like, "Here's roughly what it looks like when people come to the table. Here's the, here's what they're prob- here's what they're kind of bringing," and and that is that is just a useful. It is useful to think about. Oh, maybe I have some preconceived notions about what I bring to the table as as filtered through a model like a, you know, like a astrology or a tarot or a Myers-Briggs. These are all useful ways of turning uh, aspects of our life into narrative content that we can analyze and better understand ourselves. Yeah. I do have one more quick thing I wanted to flag before we move into sort of the uh, wrap up, if that's cool with you. I will also allow this as well. Yes. Excellent. A little quote by system. I mean, a method to resolve what happens during play. This is our first, I mean, obviously their first article in our first episode. This is our first definition of system from somebody outside of the two of us. How do, how do we feel about this definition of system? I mean, that sure is what Ron Edwards meant by system when he wrote this um <laughs> like it's fi- it's fine i guess <laughs> i don't know like i guess that's fine <laughs> that's, my, Could you, that's my general take 
Could you elaborate maybe a little bit, considering that this is our first episode no. and there are potentially people hearing this who are not unfamiliar with our respective interest in systems? Nope, I refuse. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, it's, a, it's a really good podcast. Um, I, I mean, I, uh, so here's, here's what I'm actually going to say is I, I'm interested. I feel like you're, you're doing a little bit of fishing and I'm not sure exactly what you're fishing for. So I'm going to turn, I'm going to, I'm going to Uno reverse card and say, what do you think of the uh, that definition of system? I mean, I, I t- <laughs> uh, base level, I I agree with you. Although I might say that in a slightly less um, sarcastic way, like that that is what he means, and it makes sense with how he used the that the word system throughout the rest of the article, which I feel like. Uh, to to turn it back into little little bitchy mode, like you can't say that about every definition oh, he gives here. A hundred percent, yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I said it, I said it sarcastically, but I I I really did mean it, which is like I think it's a fine it's a fine definition for the thing he's doing. I mean, so much of this is just language is about context in so many ways, and so we've we've had long discussions about various things, right? At some point, you were grilling me about what I meant by pacing for various reasons, uh-huh. and my answer was kind of similar, of just like I mean different things at different times, but in general, like you get the effect of what I mean when I say pacing. It's like you know the kind of flow of the thing, like how the things go together. Yeah. And so, like, I, I would, for instance, have a really hard time just defining the word system in the abstract. Like, it's just not how my brain works. But in, in, in this case, it is very, like you said, it's very consistent. This is exactly what he means by system in this thing. And it's good that he laid it out, actually. But yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's I think that might be all I got. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I, if, if you're right, and I was maybe fishing a little bit, it was... It is on some level to say, um, you know, this is a podcast called On the Matter of Systems. We are, or I plan at least on, or I don't even plan, but I know my brain works in such a way that when the word system starts coming up in these articles, I'm going to flag it. Whether or not I bring it up every single time, you know, I will have a moment where I'm like, hmm, is this, is this a relevant thing to not just the article itself, but to what we're more broadly doing with this project? We'll yeah, see. I like that. I think that's a good thing to do. It, it, what's interesting to me is that I did not even notice that sentence in the five times I read this article. <laughs> and I'm the one who came up with the name for this podcast and the idea for this podcast. So it's true. We're a great pair. <laughs> uh, um, speaking of which, oh, I guess to, to finish my thought. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're gener- I think I generally agree with you. It's what he means by it here. And, and maybe to even back that up. Um, it's important because this thing is called system does matter. And so he's defining system as the method of resolution, as as discussed. The whole first part of this thing, this fairly short essay, is about... Uh, or no, sorry. The second part is all about resolution mechanics and how they relate to what he would eventually call creative agenda. But here, GNS. System is a method to resolve what happens during play in this particular instance. I think more generally, I think of systems as you know, things that interlock and or play off each other. Um, I might be sort of stealing that from your definition that you gave on the last episode that we recorded that we'll never put out. But yeah, I think it's a, a functional definition by him here that I'm curious if we see things in the future or like when we re- might refer in the future to the system that we're, you know, talking about. 
might might be useful to have in the in in a back pocket somewhere. Speaking of a nope. system that we might be nope. addressing, not going to let you do that because I went back and was skimming as you were talking, and now I want to talk about the system does matter a little bit more. Which is uh, the interesting thing is that I I agreed with you that he's very consistent about it. But then the more I looked at this, the more I'm like, well, he's like a little consistent about it, right? Because like, <laughs> by system, I mean a method to resolve what happens during play. Does that mean, does that mean if a game has, for instance, both a fortune and a karma way of resolving certain things, or some things are done by fortune and some things are done by karma, does that mean that those are two systems? A great, a good point. Um, and and I guess this, like, I mean, this is just me hammering, I guess, on the earlier thing, uh, uh, some of the other complaints I've had. But, like, this also just, in general, brings up the question, which is, like, uh, there's, like, a lot of, like, here's a s- specific example. And we all agree that this is correct entirely. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm wondering if what he's actually given us is a w- is a way to judge if a particular resolution method in a game is good or bad not if the game is good or bad because the game i mean i guess some of this is historical uh, i'm assuming in the past when games were slightly simpler especially earlier on maybe even before forge times right like maybe it's true that games only had a karma system or a drama system or a fortune system and weren't mixing and matching but i mean that's just objectively not true i mean that's right? the thing like, right D yeah, has D&D all three has all like, three right yeah. like that i i so, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was, again, that was conjecture, right? It was like a, a maybe, but, yeah. um, which is just, it's a, it's a one to many or like a one to many's wrong, right? But he is defining a system as a resolution method, but then clearly talking about games, which are things that have multiple resolution methods. Can I, uh, can I put my, my Ron, Ron Edwards oh, cap on here? No, that's not allowed. What? <laughs> I, you have a Ron Edwards hat that you wear? <laughs> Yes. Um, okay. Oh, then I'll. Well, oh, okay. I can. Yes. I can. Okay. Then I'll tell. Then I'll do it in I first will, person. I'll do I it will in allow character. This third thing. Yes. <laughs> Second by system. I mean a method to resolve. Important method. Here I follow Jonathan Tweet's suggestion found in the rulebook of the excellent RPG Everway that there are three modes of resolution in role playing. So I think the way you avoid this, if you're Ron Edwards, is to say no, no, no. Mixing and matching is fine, because those are modes. Those modes add up to a method to resolve. Except he literally, right after that, says, a given system may certainly mix and match these methods. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, no, I think, you're, I think you are... I think that was a, a very important uh, sort of retread on, on what we were just saying. That, yeah, there is a, an amount of... It's like a slight uh, equivocation. Yeah. Uh. That, yeah, that, that by system, I mean a method to resolve what happens during play is not actually entirely what he means. Um, and in some ways undercuts his own argument. Uh. <laughs> uh, so my one last thought, which I did have because I was, I wanted to, I wanted to see if he was actually consistent about system. Cause I really, basically I realized that I was just like, yeah, you're right. I agree. And then was like, wait, do I actually agree <laughs> with what B just said? The other thing I was going to bring up, which I, I, took a physical note on earlier today, but I forgot to mention is I just think it's really interesting. And I know this is an era, it's a mark of the time and the era or whatever, but 
how much of this is about players are physically present. It's mentioned at least twice, if not three times. Yeah. Which makes it even more interesting to me just because it's like, well, then why? Wait, <laughs> w- were there ways for people to easily play things at a distance? Like, why is this the focus? And I don't have an answer for that. I just thought it was very interesting. I mean, I think so specifically what I'm seeing at least is uh, he says, first, I'm talking about traditional role playing games in which the GM is a human and the players are physically present with one another during play. And I think those are specifically to exclude. Uh Obviously, the GM is a human to exclude video games. And I think the players are physically present is is uh, is probably him saying, like, don't necessarily apply apply to play by post style games or oh, asynchronous yes. games okay. like on forums or like um muds or yeah, mucks that makes sense don't necessarily have the same sort of thing I, I it's it makes sense it's also i don't know like if you're gonna do the thing do the fucking yeah. thing <laughs> like if you're gonna create a sweeping theory then don't just be like well i mean the people who role play on forums are too complicated to include here yeah uh, <laughs> um, yes i agree Anyway, speaking of things that are complicated to include here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, why don't I talk about what, what game slash games we're going to read Ooh, uh, for I would uh, love that. the next episode this month. So we are going to be reading two short-ish games um, by Tyler Crumrine, I believe is the correct pronunciation of his name. Um, he uh, has a game thing called Possible Worlds Games. The p- sort of previous game he was sort of most famous for, I think, is Beak, Feather, and Bone, which is a map-building game very much indebted to The Quiet Year and, you know, very upfront about that. Beak, Feather, and Bone seems cool. Uh, I have the book. I haven't read it. But but yeah, so uh, Possible Worlds did a Kickstarter a little bit ago to do basically a box set of six RPGs. And there was a Kickstarter to do like a physical version. And the idea is Tyler uh, wrote all six of the RPGs and had a different artist do art for each of them. I got the physical box. It's a, it's a really lovely object. But we're going to be reading two games because I thought, hey, system does matter. Uh, why don't we read two systems? <laughs> and we'll see what we do. Uh, but like, I don't know. I thought it might be kind of fun to sort of talk about two games. Um, and they're pretty different from each other. I've read, I've skimmed both of them, but we are going to be reading dating.sim or dating sim. I'm not 100% sure how you pronounce it, uh, but it is dating period sim. And then we are going to be reading a game called Wishlist. So both are by are by Possible Worlds Games. If you Google Possible Worlds Games, you'll find their website. Um, they're also on itch.io. Um, if you want to buy the PDFs, the physical versions are great. Highly recommend them. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about them uh, in our next episode. But we're going to be reading Dating Sim and Wishlist, both by Tyler Crumrine. And uh, maybe we can determine whether they're good RPGs, uh, thanks to good old Uncle Ron. Objectively, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Very curious what... Um... <laughs> <laughs> what holes we fall into on on that one and seeing what what this what this podcast actually looks like now that we got an idea of how fucking bananas I'm going to be during while hosting the theory episodes that, that, so. I mean, that intro <laughs> is one for the record books <laughs> um are we going to do this thing uh where where can people oh, yeah. find you on the internet that's a BW? great question where can people find me on the internet you got a pretty cool website you got a you know, I do. You, your instagram's I do. not bad I do. So I'm going to, I will give, I will give folks two things. So if, if for some reason you would like to, for instance, see Instagram stories of flowers that I see on my walk to and from my community garden plot, 
Uh, you could follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's noted hermit, N O T E D hermit. Um, all one word. And then uh, also on Instagram, but also on the World Wide Web, I am a weaver and I make ceramics and I'm a baker and I have a quote unquote brand, uh, which is bakery slash workshop, all spelled out bakery, like bakery slash S-L-A-S-H and workshop. I am on Instagram. You can go to bakery slash workshop dot com all spelled out and you can see various things I've made. Uh, and yeah, noted hermit is my personal Instagram. And right now I mostly post pictures of flowers. So highly recommended. Nice. Uh, what about you? B? (laughs) I am functionally off the internet in many ways. Um, you can send me an email at islanddemeter at gmail.com. <laughs> if you got anything to, to to ask about the show, if you wanna if you wanna say hi, you have I know you from the internet and I haven't seen you in, you know, a year and a half or however long it's been since I stopped posting on all platforms. Yeah, hit me up there. Let's I I no guarantees I will see it for a month <laughs> so no, no urgent messages <laughs> if there's one thing both of the hosts of on the matters systems are great at it is constantly definitely responding to things uh-huh. in timely manners for sure uh-huh we're both very good at it uh, we're both very good also at putting me five minutes over my heart out so um, oh, thank you <laughs> thank you so much for listening uh, this is this right here has been the first episode of On the Matter of Systems. Uh, there are uh, 1.1, as it were. 1.2 will be us talking about some Crumb Ryan's games that are Tyler called Crumb Tyler Crumrine. I was trying to re-navigate to the tab <laughs> called Dating Sim and Wishlist. That'll be up next. And then um, at the end of that, I will announce the next RPG Theory podcast. And, and we'll kind of just keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Keep it, are you ready to keep it rolling, BW? <laughs> On the matter of systems, it's where we keep it rolling. Music. <laughs>